everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Great Monday to you and yours. Thanks for listening to the show. Come on in here, everybody. Let's go. We got a lot of football to talk about. Dance and basketball, huh? How about that? I'm Jeff. That's Tom, director Matthew from afar. You're you, and you're driving around listening to us, and I appreciate that. And or you're watching on the chat on War Chant TV. Appreciate that as well. And so it is. Uh, we begin, and it is always good to be with you after a weekend's worth of action, of which there were plenty. The NFL games, for the most part, entertaining, fun, good, lots to get into. Good weekend of... Uh, Recruiting for Florida State, and the basketball team went up to Pitt and said, suck it, there we go, a little ding-ding. There you go. There, there you go, everybody. Maybe, maybe. Are you trying to tell me the ding-ding's alive? The ding-ding is alive. I, I posted it uh, on, on Twitter, seldom used device for the Jeff Cameron Show, and uh, I did. I said, ding-ding. Just a quiet little ding-ding. Nothing, no no all caps or anything like that. Just a ding-ding. They actually looked like they knew what they were doing. There's, I mean, what I mean by that, it's not a veiled shot at the coaching staff. It's like they're healthy and they've played together and there's symmetry and they've incorporated Baba and the things just kind of all look like they meant to be. Okay. You know what I'm doing, and I know what you're doing, and this guy's going to rotate over. Okay, we got a little something. All right, boys. This could be just what we need for the Platinum Bohica to be realized, gang, and that is tomorrow. I can barely contain my energy and enthusiasm for tomorrow's attempt at a Platinum Bohica. How long, how long have we been on the air together, you and I? Well, since the FM dial days. That's uh, going on 11 years this this August. Has it been 11 years? I told Clear Channel to suck it. Um, yeah, because it was the 11th anniversary of the Lauks to snare this past weekend. That's right. And that usually marks the time pretty cleanly. It does. I love that that marks the time. It's a beautiful thing. I remember leaping around right. my house. I remember that first week we were on the phone. He said, man, should have oh, waited one more week. I know. Of all the time. Uh, but, uh, but anyhow, so yeah, well... In the 11 years we've been on the air together, we've never seen anything come close to a Platinum Bohica for, for an, an rivalry. I guess football got to seven over the Canes. That was the uh, third and Kelly. We would have been in position there. We would have been. You're mm-hmm. right. Mm, it's a toughie. But uh, that it's been, didn't happen. Hasn't really come close to happening over Florida. Had a good run, though. Had a nice run. Had a nice run. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, it's just... I've dreamt of the day that we could present, even if just in our minds, the Platinum (laughs) Bohica to Miami. I was wondering when we would pivot to the just in our minds part of the I'm not uh, going to jail for the Bohica. I'm not doing it. Uh, But I, I, I do want to celebrate and revel in it to see what that would, I mean, just take that back with you, Miami. Go on, take that back with you. Take that back on home with you. Little platinum bohica for that ass. Mm. Ruthless. I mean, it, you really can't get over that when somebody's lauding that over you. No, and 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 lording it too. The the thing about Saturday's <laughs> yeah, you're game, right, lording that over you, not that, lauding. 
Uh, well, we laud that it's lorded. Yeah, you're right. The thing about Saturday's game <laughs> that I found was interesting was, okay, so you're down early, and you're thinking, all right, so we're just going to go one for one here. When we play bad teams, mm, we, we win. When mm, we play good teams, we, we get smoked. Yeah. Well, that has been the case. Then you respond, and we make, I mean, come on now. There's a lot of shots that are low percentage that go in. You're like, all right, so we're just going to have a little turnaround jumper game today. We're going to look like uh, Dirk from all parts of the court. It's going to work out for us. Then you assert yourself, go into halftime, you're feeling okay. They take the lead again in the second half, and you think, all right, all right. It was fun while it lasted. Good run, guys. Really nice effort. And then we just go ahead and take the ball game away from us. I thought two to three times on Saturday afternoon that this was a nice effort, but we were going to come up short. I was convinced of such. Oh, what, you, And then we just the said, 20, screw you. Was it the 21-6 to six run? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that, wow. And, you know, I'm watching that going, okay, we're falling back into our bad habits. Yeah. The kinds of things we've seen all year long. So I, I was with you. Yeah. And frustrated. Well, and knowing the limitations. But now they're starting to reassert. And then the last the last time that I felt not so hot is, you know, pitch driving the basketball, four-point game. And then we get a nice offensive foul call. We get a nice charge call. <sighs> I'm not so sure about that one. But oh, it's that's, a terrible call. That's when the I'm not so sure about it. It's a terrible call. They screwed the home team. How about that? It'll happen. What are you going to do? In the cafeteria. Unbelievable. A place of horrors for us where we were called for breathing multiple times. It is um, FSU's first victory of the season over an opponent with a winning record. And it's a quad one win, if you must know, Tom. It is a quad one win. Win. Pitt has a net ranking of 65 as of today. Road games against teams in the top 75 of the net rankings. Probably was a lot better than 65 before we played. Are considered to be quad one victories. This all murkies and muddies the water a little bit with uh, college basketball whenever we start going down the road of net uh, victories and the like, quad ones and twos, but uh, we don't really have to for Florida State. It's a, it's a, it's an exercise of futility. Florida State's not going anywhere, save for maybe the ding ding. Maybe well, it's also nice to be able to say that Darren. What is that in the distance? Do I smell cigarettes? Yeah, it's there. He, he, you know what? He lit him up over the week, and he's like, "Wow, they're still around. It could happen. It could happen." I have to pay them a visit. I should be doing that voice today from the flights. I got I got a little raspies that we're fighting here. You'll be all right. But Darren Green is legitimately a good basketball player. I like that part of it. He was always, I mean, entering the game, you know, he had a nice performance shooting over 40% for yeah. the year. Yeah. But some of the shots that he makes outside of a standard wide open kick out three. Right. No, he's a good player. He's just a good player. He's period. a good player. Well, and, and Matthew Cleveland's really had a great turnaround. You know, if you watch the beginning of this season, even the exhibition game, which I was at, and I was appalled, not because he was 0 for 9 or 11 or whatever the hell the number was. It was awful. 0 for the floor. Uh, he was so stiff. He didn't look athletic in the slightest. He couldn't jump. There was no explosiveness to his game. He looked cautious, to say the least. And I thought, oh, well, this this isn't good. That I have to hope that's an injury that he's overcoming or playing through because if this is now who he is, we're in real trouble. And that went on for a while. It, it looked like he was pressing coupled with lack of explosiveness from some sort of melody. And obviously he got through that and then really flourished and is now 
consistently really good. He makes tough shots often. Um, and he's physical now in a way that he wasn't with the ball in his hand is what I mean. And so, you know, again, you're starting to see it. Um, I, the double double streak ended at eight games, uh, eight rebounds, too short of that streak continuing. But uh, you're right. And by the way, the numbers on Green, I should say it since you brought him up, 24 points, 16 in the second half is key there. And 7 of 12, 5 of 8 from 3, uh, made all of his free throws. So, again, down the stretch, you got to have guys that you can trust on the line. And uh, they did that. FSU 7 and 13. They're 5 and 4 in the ACC. For those wondering, they actually have a winning record in this conference. Uh, that's good for ninth place, tied with NC State, I believe. And, uh, you know, if you think about starting 1 and 7 against teams uh, that were not good teams, teams that won't go to the you know, NCAA tournament. I mean, hell, even. You know, Florida is on the bubble. We'll see if they go or not. They're not having a lot of success. So Florida State was 1-7 against that schedule early. You thought, man, look, I don't, speaking of lauding, I don't laud teams for trying hard. I, I hate that. I hate when I hear people say it. It drives me nuts. There are circumstances, though, where I will note that it's important that they are because those circumstances often lead to a listlessness in form. If you're a, a football team, for example, that has national championship expectations, and we know what that's like at Florida State, especially in the 90s, where year in and year out, you knew you were going to play maybe two games that were going to dictate terms. The Florida game, the Miami game, maybe you had an out-of-conference game against the Notre Dame or somebody like that where it was going to be a big deal. And those games were going to tell you whether or not you had a good season and whether or not you were going to be in contention to play for a national title because you were loaded and you were going to stomp the ACC. So if you lost two of those, you knew you were out of it. And there was you were always wondering, are they going to play hard? Are they going to play like a team who's had their heart broken and go through the motions and look poor? Or are they going to play hard for the love of the game? The passion of the game for, you know, not to let yourself down or your teammates down, whatever it might be. Well, in basketball, it, it's something similar when you start one and seven against nobodies. I mean, you're playing bums and you're getting housed at home. And for a program, now I know they didn't have a great season last year, but for a program that's won a ton in the last 10 years and was one of the best three schools in the ACC in the sport of basketball, which is kind of odd to say aloud every time we say it, but they were. And to see that thing fall off a cliff pretty quickly and then have that point hammered home to start this year and the NCAA screws you and you lose your best player or somebody who certainly could be your best player for 16 games or something that is simply unfair. I mean, we all know that that was unjust, right? It could get easy to feel sorry for yourself in a hurry. You got injuries and suspensions and you're losing games left and right. Your season has been ripped out from under you before you even get into conference play. And yet they've played hard through all of that, and now they're playing better. Not just hard, but playing better. And they're going to be a team that a lot of teams don't want to have to play because they're not devoid of talent. They have some talent. Now that that talent's playing together more consistently for longer stretches at a time, the fact that they are... I mean, look, they played pretty solid defense in this game against Pitt. And Pitt can score this year. Pitt can really shoot it. They're good from three. That's been a bugaboo of ours, obviously. But they are impacting the game now 
defensively in a way they weren't earlier this year as well. See how they play tomorrow. I mean, I they've got that's a good Miami team coming off a tough loss against Duke. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, that that game was a good game at Cameron, by the way. I watched a lot of that. You did? I did. All right, you I, found one. Uh, I've been I've been getting back into it a little bit, Tom. You have to, especially if this team's going to play a little bit better. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing how much better the sport is if we start to play some, some good games. Sport's not great. Sport's lacking. It's down on my list of things to get excited about. But I am a responsible sports talk show host who's going to pay attention to what the hell's happening, the things that others, like listeners, care about. Yeah, yesterday I had a choice between Indiana-Michigan State on the plane or Arsenal in, in the Premier League. You went with Arsenal. And yeah. Man U, and that game was awesome. Yeah. But even if it wasn't awesome in you the Premier gone League, with that, yeah. I would have gone with that. You would have gone with minor league hockey over. Absolutely. Uh, Michigan State in Indiana. Yes. Have you seen Adirondack this <laughs> I'm just, year? I'm just saying, you might have gone with lots of things. Pickleball might have been, yeah. you know, a little pickleball. Hey, babe, what do you think? You know, Fastest growing sport in America. There you go. You probably would have chosen many other things, but not tomorrow. No. Not tomorrow as we strive for the Platinum Bohica. If this season is to get kind of squirrely in a good way, mm-hmm. this is the week that it happens. This is the week. Miami at home and then Clemson on Saturday. Two ranked foes. We'll see where they ranked now after Miami you know, slips and falls this weekend. But two ranked foes entering the, the pollsters' choices this week. Two chances for really good wins. You would, at that point, if you sweep the week, be 7-4 and four in conference. And now you're starting to make a case to the committee that says, Look, we didn't have our guys. We, we needed didn't have our, guys. our dudes. We needed our guys. I got no Dukes. Yeah. This team's fate is in your hands, committee. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to do this for Tom. Uh, not you, but Buffalo Tom. Just a, just a hug, buddy. Uh, nobody takes it harder than you, and that is a toughie uh, at home. By you, we mean the Bills Nation in general? Yeah. My goodness. That's uh, a toughie. And, you know, the, I don't know how he deals with losses. I know how I deal with losses when I have high expectations. And, and I'll just say this, and we'll go through the games. But – And I'll return to this one, but I'll I'll open with this part of it. I don't mind. I can deal with losses if they are significant, as in we were summarily dismissed. There was we were not the better team. There's no argument that can be made. It wasn't an evenly played game, and our guy missed an extra point. Something like that is tough to stomach. Bills got their ass beat. I mean, the Bills got their ass beat. And that is easier to take. Now, you can be frustrated. The Bills had a ton of injuries. We know that on the defensive line, that's a real problem for them. And they got run on in this game. And so it showed up at the wrong time. The back end of that secondary has been riddled with injury and tragedy. That got exploited as well. Really, the things that you would worry about going into a playoff game against a stone-cold killer at quarterback got exposed. And my hero, Joe Burrow, is heroing yet again. And now, that is a... That's a hard game to pick on a Monday. That's a hard game to pick right now because if Patrick Mahomes can't run around and create the space that he does to every single time find Travis Kelsey wide the hell open streaking in the middle of the field yet again, then they've got a problem because you saw after the first quarter with that injury, all those running around plays went away. And they didn't throw the ball down the field. They ran it. But they had a night, they had a lead. They were able to hang in there and do that. 
The other thing was the turning point in that game, the 98-yard drive with Henny. You got a same team issue with the Jags. That's going to be a pick six. That that doesn't happen because one guy doesn't know the other's the behind, behind him. him. Yeah, it's going to be a pick six from looks about like, twenty-five yards. Looks like it. Yeah, or well, first and goal at the seven. Yeah, it's going to be something, something along, along those, those lines. lines. Right. Yeah, it's a fourteen-point swing. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, the Jags played well. They did. The Jags have heart. That's a fun team. I got to admit it to you, Butts fans. You got a likable bunch. You got a likable bunch there. I like that team, and I like where they're headed. You're going to have to hold it down, you and the Dolphins, because the Bucs ain't going to be here to do it. And Peterson was this close to going to another stratosphere. He's already won a Super Bowl over Brady and, and yeah, he's, a high-powered he's, offense. He's a great coach. With Nick Foles, Yeah, this would have been yet another. He's a great coach. Yeah. Um, you know, I it's it's that the Jags had nothing to be ashamed of. They played well. By the way, that's also your best uniform combination. Do not go away from that. That is by far your best. That's what you wear. Stop with all the other nonsense. That's what you wear right there. You know, I'm big on this. It matters. The black and the white looks great on you. That's what you wear. Now, just change the stupid logo on your helmet, and we'll all be good. So if you look at the futures for the Super Bowl today, they're all packed mm-hmm. in very mm-hmm. tightly. It's like minus, uh, plus 265 to plus 300, I think, for the 49ers, 3-1. to one. I agree. The Mahomes injury, it's that a- doesn't heal quickly. That's a high so, ankle sprain. He's got a problem, man. That opens up the entire field because Cincinnati still has issues with protection, and that would carry even if they were to win the AFC against, like, a San Francisco defensive front. Yikes. It's going to be that, a fun that's game. A poor matchup. So, and Philadelphia, obviously, I was at a New York Giants bar. That never got off the ground, did it? So, And Philly looks like themselves. This thing's wide open now. Last week it's we great. were saying it felt like the AFC representative was going to carry no, it. It's great. No longer. No. Well, longer. and the Eagles, the good. I got a lot on that too because that looks more like the Eagles we saw earlier this year, and they're back to running the ball, being very, very physical. And yes, it wasn't Daniel Jones. It was the Vikings defense, which I laughed at all year long. And now we're like, yeah, no, now you played a real defense. You look like, like Daniel Jones again, or like Danny Pennies. <laughs> it was, woo. You know how many yards? Uh, we know they had zero points at the half. You know how many yards the Giants had at the half? 43. Good guess. 64. 64. <laughs> You're like, pumped up for the big big playoff game. We got 64 yards, guys. We got 64 yards. <laughs> it's a toughie. It's Jeff Caver Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. What's up, guys? Our next partner that you're going to hear from is Athletic Greens. You've heard me talk about Athletic Greens in the past. Happy to talk about them again. I take Athletic Greens every day, and I gave them a try because certainly I wanted more energy, sustained energy. I wanted to support my immune system. I don't like taking pills and vitamins per se, and I wanted something that tasted good too. And the first time I tried it, I was very surprised. Uh, It had an appreciable effect on my energy levels. And also, uh, over time, you'll note that it uh, it helps your skin, your hair, your nails. I don't have a lot of hair, but if I did, I bet I could feel that. I bet I could tell. It's a comprehensive health uh, habit, and uh, it is a, a powerful one at that. AG1 is great for recovery. Uh, that's Athletic Greens. And uh, I, I take mine basically when I wake up every morning. I don't have to worry about it because you get all the nutrients that you want. It's the best way to ensure that you're going to get all of your vitamins. It's a carbon-neutral business, by the way, if that's important to you. It is to a lot of people, and that's good to know as well. I would also note that uh, it is a comprehensive solution to what you need from a supplement routine. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D 
and five free travel packs right now with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Helps me out, guys, if you use that. Not financially, but it lets them know that you heard this ad on my show. And I do take it, and I am vouching for them because I enjoy their product. It's athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Check it out. I think you'll note the difference in your life with a simple drink each and every morning to start your day. Athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV on a uh, beautiful Monday. Which there was a ton of football to discuss. Uh, yeah, and we were. We were in the midst of it, in fact. And I was complimenting the Jags for their effort. I just want to point out, this was a good weekend for Knowles yet again. Man, Nadi was all over the place in that game for the Chiefs. Still playing well. And yes, I smile every time I see him. Nadi to the Knowles brings me back. That was a violent sack, too. Yeah, he, Man, he is still a really good player for a great franchise. He's done really well for himself, and we loved him here. I just, I mean, would you have... Now, he's a guy you could have projected to play in the league, certainly. I don't know that we would have projected Josh Sweat to be doing what he's doing with the Eagles. Now, I liked Josh Sweat, but you do realize he had 11 sacks this year. He's a Really good player, a sack and a half in this game, by the way. And for a, he's picked in the fourth round, 130th pick. Yeah, you would have projected him to have this type of career at a high school because of how heralded he was on the recruiting trail back when he was coming out. But then after the career at Florida State, you thought, well, if he can get to his second contract, that'd be good. And yeah, he, yeah. he's done more than that. He's excelled. And again, he's guy. He's a guy for that franchise. I mean, Director Matthews not here, but I'm sure he'll nod. He makes a lot of big plays for them. He's in on a lot of big plays. Oh, Sweat's a good player. Like yeah. there are guys when that have a quiet Eagles, seven like, and a half. Josh. Yeah, yeah, there are guys on, on your team that you know. Like, oh wow, he has seven and a half sacks or twelve tackles for loss. I don't remember any of them because they're not in situations. Uh, Josh will show up now. I'm, I, you know, he got stuck. Josh Sweat got stuck at a tough time. Um, you know, that's the unfortunate aspect. When you look back on jo- Josh Sweat's time here, you're like, yeah, you left in 2018. Things weren't good. Things were moving towards bad. Things weren't looking up. No, things were not looking up. So, in a lot of ways, um, you know, I, I basically he he was he was in bad he was in a bad situation. It was an ugly uh, ugly deal. And uh, but good for him. Good for Josh Sweat. I'm happy for him. He's played well. I'm just noting a couple of Knowles who really showed up. Uh, obviously, you know, going back, go to that Chargers game at the end of the year. Sante was incredible. No, wasn't his fault. No. No. So we've seen a lot of the Knowles as of late, and we are sure to see them churned out at a much greater rate moving forward now that the team is actually good again. One more note on Nadi. It's just funny because that particular sack was like a chest plate collision. I don't know that I've ever seen a play quite like that before. Because you're you're always now dissecting every hit of a quarterback because that's the way you're conditioned to be as a fan. And I thought, man, that looks violent. Are they going to find a way to assess 15? And then you realize, oh, it's just like, boom. Yeah. yeah. No. I, I, I Hit him with the peck. Let's hope the league has had a conversation once again with the officials. We're in the playoffs, baby. You got to let people decide games now. I mean, there's livelihoods on the line and all that. Let the players decide the game. Stop with the nonsense. We just saw it, that game with the 
Was what was the game that I was so angry about? Was that Giants Vikings? What was that? I can't remember I like which one. one. No, uh, there was a sack at the end that was ridiculous, and they called roughing, and it was he just all he did was toss them over, and, and it was and it, no, I think it was Giants Vikings. It was absurd. And I'm like, what are we what are we doing here? Uh, bottom line is, in the off season, I hope they get this right. They got to stop. I mean, it's football. It's football. It's a violent game. Everybody knows it. We got it. We got it. It's violent. I get what you're trying to take out. That's got to stop. I thought of you this weekend because something else stood out in all of the games at various points, sometimes at the end of a half where it didn't seem so critical, other times at the end of a game where it is quite critical. It is remarkable to me that in a league in which you have, I would say inarguably, the best coaches in the world at a particular sport, right? So football, these are the coaches that have made their way through peewee, high school, college, all the way up to the pros. These guys have had to prove their medal all the way, right? So their acumen for the game, their understanding of football on the fly, in milliseconds, understanding what they're seeing, adjusting accordingly on the next play. Let's go, right? That in a league where millions of dollars are spent by organizations to vet analytics and to know what you are, right? What are you as a team? What are you playing towards? For example, the Giants this year were the 21st team in DVOA. The Eagles were the third. Had the Eagles not missed their quarterback for a few games, they might have been second or first. So that game kind of played out the way that those numbers suggested they should. And you can get into run game DVOA, you can get into pass game, all those things, right? So these numbers and the way to analyze quarterbacks and running backs and offensive lines and every element of the game has never been greater. And we as fans have access to it. And yet it's the simplicity, seemingly the simplicity that is lost. And that is, how does no head coach understand how to clock manage? Why do I see it in every single game? I mean, it. I remain astonished. How frequently, supposedly, the most brilliant head coaches or coaches in general in all the land botch, not just kind of screw it up, like, ah, I could have saved seven seconds there. Oh, should have been thinking about this play on the tail end of that one because you've got uh, a two-minute warning coming. You know, like, that, that can happen in the heat of a moment. I'll forgive some of the minutiae, glaring mistakes, obvious answers to the clock, to down-distance situations, are blown in every single football game. It is unreal how frequently it happens. It's something that I'm passionate about. I know. That's why I thought of you. And it's something, well, I mean, look, you, myself, and our pal Corey Clark, our colleague at Warchant, yeah, could all, start a firm. Yes, we could. We could start a firm and then just sell our services, you know, 85 yeah. to 100. Well, you know what? No, it's more expensive because apparently it's rare. $1.5 million, and I got you. Yeah. I'll be the guy. I will even wear a Flava Flav clock around my neck. Which would signal be freaking awesome. That this is my job. I'm the clock guy. Because we can discuss this for 85% of the game. What we need to do with the amount of timeouts we have and when we need to use them. When the heat of the moment strikes, I how got you, you are not prepared with mm-hmm. all the stoppages in a football game. You should be talking about this in the fourth quarter with eight and a half minutes to go. Have we needed to use a timeout for an emergency purpose? No? Good. We've got all three. All right. 
if it's one score here, if it's if it's no, not no. one score, yes, you can here's do all where this. we go. You can prove your worth in a private meeting. That's fine. But the bottom line is this. This is where it's most worth coaches to what, me. What I'm saying is they're not preparing on the fly. It happens in the baseball dugout. It's the most it, prepared place in the world. It is. You're yeah. managing against the worst case scenario. Always. If it's Kyle Shanahan who makes a mistake, I, I give him more leeway. Not because he's good at offensive coordinating, but because he's coordinating the offense. He's doing all of the things. If you're a CEO <laughs> head coach, this should be a, a discussion that it you should be always the always you, sh you should always get it right. They have coaches for everything. How is there not a guy up? I don't need him down on the field. Go ahead, put his ass up there. It's all he's going to be doing is thinking about down distance time score. Got it. Timeouts need it. Got it. I don't. How obvious is it? I mean, there were so many moments this weekend. And these are the best teams in football. So many moments where I'm going, what are you doing? What are you doing? There's got to be a guy in your ear going, my man, we need to use a timeout here. It's going to give us the maximum amount of time to get the ball back. If we call time before be, before the two-minute warning, call the timeout. Like, I don't right, understand. Right. They never get that right. No, and, and Greg Olson was all over it in the uh, San Francisco-Dallas game. Oh, before the, the punt? Before the punt. The 40 seconds. Right. And you know what? Here's the other thing you need to say. If nobody's listening to you, you need to run up to McCarthy, slap him in the belly at 210 and say, call a timeout now. You're better off at this point. You've already blown it. Let's try and keep more stuff on the other side of the two. Burn one. Trust me, you're oh, going to get five seconds out of it. it. It was nuts, though. And that one's easy, but it happened in every game this weekend at different points. And I'm just sitting there going, fellas, this isn't hard, man. This isn't hard. That... that there are millions of American males all over the country sitting on their couch watching these games going, they, they need to use a timeout. Somebody's sitting there with an ice-cold beer in their hand next to their buddy with an ice-cold beer in his hand, and they're just casually watching two teams they don't even care about. They just love the game of football, like us. And it matters to us that it be played correctly. And we're watching the game, and we're like, yep, well, you're not going to let all 40 seconds run off here, are you? No, you're you, you got to call a timeout. Then your friend's going to go, yeah, they got to call a timeout. What are they doing? What are they doing? And then gradually the intensity of your concern is raised as you sip that. They're still, they're still, they're not going to call a timeout. Look at these dumbasses. And then your friend's going, yep, see it every week, every week. In nine cases out of 10, the earlier you can call the timeout, the better to create more chances. I mean, we have analytics on fourth and four from the 37, but we can't learn about timeouts because that's more precious. The clock at the end of the game, if you need time, is more precious than anything. It just it oh, it, it is very just, hard to understand. In fact, it's impossible to understand. Smartest guys in the world. Yeah, as it pertains to going to a grease board, of course they are. No, I, I just can't fathom that it's not occurring to you. You would think that somebody obsessed with the details of the game. Come on, hire me. Obsessed with every detail in the game. Understanding the numbers behind the numbers and the hows and whys of where we arrived and, you know, what propelled us to that point? It This is basic. It's quick math that anybody can do. Right. The only time, and the only time I feel like it's oversimplified is when you're playing a chess match moment across the field and saying, all right, I want you to pass on this play for the chance of an incomplete pass. So I'm going to risk it here. Yeah. But you don't do it when the clock is going to run down to the two-minute warning. No, of course not. But you say, all right, it's second and seven. All right, you know what? I'm going to hold off here. I'm not going to use a timeout yet. Let's see what he calls. Maybe he gets greedy. Maybe he gets greedy and doesn't run it between the tackles. That's about the only way that that you could screw up or, or not screw up a situation like that, and there's a debate to be had.
Yeah, I mean, there have only been a few times you and I have watched games together where as we stood next to one another, we had a disagreement about the clock. Occasionally it happens because there's actually occasionally nuance to the debate. Like, well, 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 hold on now, Tom. Here's why I wouldn't do that. And we can have that conversation. Those are actually fun conversations. But most of the time, it's self-evident. Most of the time, any knowledgeable football fan just nods their head when their friend correctly points out that this should be a t- We need to use a timeout here. What do we uh, or if you've got the ball, you got one timeout left, you're tackled at midfield, and there's, you know, a buck ten on the clock. Yeah, you, yeah, you can you can you want to have play. the ball last. You can let it tick a little bit. No big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do that all the time. We have this conversation. When I talk to Mike Norvell next, I, I, I gotta ask the question in a way that's not going to make him feel threatened. Because I want to talk to him about clock management, and he's immediately going to be like, is this a-hole actually going to argue with me about clock management? <laughs> no, that's not what I want to do. Coach, it's not a Monday after a game. No. We're talking in the off-season. I just want to talk to you about football coaches and how it is that men in your profession cannot get the clock management right. I want to ask you this question. I'm not talking about you specifically, sir. It may feel that way. I'm talking about why football coaches routinely screw up end-of-half, end-of-game clock management. Why do you think that is? Maybe Mike, ca- you can call in if you're listening. Yeah, I would like to know. Maybe couch it with NFL to protect him a little bit more. College, there's a few I'm more gonna things. I'm going to make him laugh. I'm going to say, look, Coach, I'm, just I'm, I'm not mad at you. I'm, this is not specific to you. It's specific to football coaches butchering clock management every freaking week. As long as he doesn't turn it into the Adam Fuller. Oh, we're talking about bald now? All right, baldness? Yeah. <laughs> huh? <laughs> the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply midtown on thomasville road and north side in the village common shopping center online at orangetheoryfitness.com Jeff Cameron, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Warship TV. Good to be with you. And uh, again, you good? Yeah, you if it's true. <laughs> Grab the wrong fader. <laughs> oh, man. Why won't this turn down? I do like, you know, we asked this question, I think when we were at the old building, we were asking the questions about quarterbacks in the future and, you know, we, we knew we were at the end of an era. Uh, we probably thought Brady was going to retire <laughs> long before all of this happened. But, you know, you were, you were watching three or four of the greats get out of the game. And we, we were trying to identify where the NFL was going and, and who are the fresh faces at the position. And you've really had some incredible players emerge. You know, whether that is Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen and obviously Joe Burrow now. And 
the one that I think none of us would have guessed is Jalen Hurts. And, you know, I have to – I think when I was talking about that Eagles game, which we're not going to spend a lot of time on that because 38-7 to doesn't really require you to spend a lot of time on it. But I would say this. Uh, I thought the good news Saturday night beyond the domination for the Eagles as it pertains to trying to win the Super Bowl is that they had seven designed runs for Jalen Hurts. Well, that tells you all you need to know. His shoulder's fine. I mean, they called seven designed runs where he has to run the ball and take a hit. And he did so willingly. He wasn't scared to take a shot. Ran aggressively. And when that's there, they have a top two rushing offense when he's that element. And that changes everything. That game between them and the 49ers is going to be as fun as you – if you like hard-hitting, well-coached, violent football, you're going to get it with those two. And, and then, of course, we're all in love. The, the sexier matchup is Cincinnati and Kansas City. Okay, so on a Monday before the injury reports and all that kind of stuff leaks out, which game do you feel is closer? Not more entertaining because that's not always the same thing. I think they're both going to be very close. I think the NFL is going to get what it wants. It's going to get lucky. It, we we see this a lot in the league. Uh, I mean, think about the Buffalo-Kansas City game a couple years ago. I mean, geez, Louise, you may never see a better game. That was insane. And we were talking up those two quarterbacks at the height of their dominance and the apex of their abilities, and then they go out and play that game. We're like, it was br- literally breathtaking at times, right? So they got that. You, you, I think you're going to get it again this weekend. I think you'll get it with the AFC games. Oh, yeah. Well, I think Philly the injury to Patrick. We'll see. Exactly. I think that keeps it because of Cincinnati's offensive line issues. I just I think you're going to see a lot of both quarterbacks on the ground, whether they're outright sacked or just hit as they throw the ball, things like that. I think San Francisco has to be careful. They got to be careful. If you let Philly get out in front, you're not built to run them down. Well, and I want to point this out. I know I've been hard on the young lad, so credit to him. Uh, seven and zero now as a starter. Brock Purdy is. Uh, he threw no fewer than three footballs that should have been picked this weekend, and we're having a different discussion if those balls are intercepted. And you know, sometimes it really is a matter of that. It's just does a guy hold on to the ball, or does it hit the ground? The guy tip a ball. The guy, you know, the kid will catch. Yeah, the kid will catch is crazy. I mean, Diggs is within one tenth of one second of beheading him. Yeah. <laughs> Ending the game for George Kittle. Yeah. And yeah. maybe the ball goes back when up in the air. When you watch that in super slow-mo, you're like, Doc! Every time. Yeah. That every, doesn't... Frame by frame, I'm like, get down! I mean, like, with no rooting interest, I'm just like, get down, you're going to die. That's like something out of a born fight sequence. It's really cool. I've watched that replay a bunch just to note that if in that precise moment he doesn't begin to duck his head, we got a helmet-to-helmet situation. <laughs> We've got a... Oh, no, George Kittle's been knocked out. And you would also have the most ridiculous defenseless receiver penalty of all time. Because we can't just be batting the no, ball around the, the ball for Like five it's a minutes. balloon you're trying to keep off the ground. No, no. And, he's yeah, you're not defenseless. You're trying to catch the ball. I got to hit you. That's part of the rules. That's the, that's the sir, game, Sir, it's been 1.9 seconds. Catch the ball already, sir. No, I just, it's. 
that is th- those two games set up as diehard football fans. This could not be any better for all of us. I mean, I understand if you had a if you had a team in the fight and you're upset. Uh, I get that you probably don't want to watch. I know when the Bucks get beat. If I have expectations of a Super Bowl run and they get beat, it's tough to kind of get geared back up for everybody else still playing. But you and I had no such illusions about what the Bucks season was going to do at the end here. So I've just been giddy for the matchups. I've wanted good matchups. And Jacksonville played a really good game on the road. That was a fun game to watch. Unfortunately, the Giants just got blown the hell out, which was good for Director Matthew, but the rest of us were bored to tears. Uh, and then, obviously... Uh, the pub got aggressive towards the second half. I can only imagine. You're in New York at the time. That they, they knew it was over 10 minutes into the game. It never... Yeah, the best part of that game was the 15 minutes leading up to the game. Yeah. No, no, that, <laughs> it was pretty evident early on. You're like, oh, this is not a good matchup for the Giants. This is going to be a problem. And he looks scared. This is not good. The whole bar's like, Brendan, I'll have another. Brendan, I'll have another. I'm not going home. <laughs> what I didn't think, I guess while we're talking about surprises, listen, when you think about Cincinnati, no Jonah Williams, obviously no Alex Kappa. Now, while Kappa's not, you know, he is a starter. He is a starter. Uh, no uh, Collins either. All those guys out. I didn't think they'd run. What was the number here? I posted it. I put it on my rundown. Yeah, that, so this is crazy. Cincinnati had 30 first downs. That's the <laughs> tying it for the third most conversions in any single game against the Bills since Sean McDermott took over. Oh, wow. And he came to Buffalo in 2017. So that is a lot. And the, I can watch Joe Burrow play quarterback like every day, all day, because he does so many things pre snap to protect himself now. It was the one thing he had to get better at, which is getting the ball out. And when they go well, and he was prepared for it because of the LSU experience, man, where they would go empty and he would isolate the matchup and he had weapons, real good ones. But he gets the ball out of his hands. He's really good in the quick game. He gets it out fast. And then then once you start to bite on that, he'll pump and hold it for an extra beat and go downtown. They also dial it up really well. That's a well-oiled machine in Cincinnati. They also ran the ball for a ton of yards in this game, and that really made everything pretty easy. 172 yards on the ground, 13 first downs, and a touchdown on 34 carries. I haven't looked up this particular stat, so it just feels so obvious, though. Cincinnati beating Buffalo. They're on the precipice of going back to the Super Bowl. They were the runners-up last year. They would have to be the first runner-up to make it back to the Super Bowl the next year since the Bills, right? I mean, I, I can't think of another team that lost the Super Bowl and made it back to the Super Bowl the next year. Yeah, there's a the famous statistic about usually the heartbreak carryover from yeah. the year before. Those teams not only don't make it back, they often get housed and have a bad year because it's just a lingering effect of coming that close. And by the way, they came really close to winning the whole damn thing despite being significant underdogs. They did. And their offensive line didn't get a whole ton better. They they addressed it with new bodies, but it's not like it was completely fixed. And they're on the precipice now. Nobody's talking about them. I'm sure Eric Angel in the chat's like, finally, a, bang, a Bengals note. But they're on the precipice of doing that, which is really, really hard to do when you don't win the whole thing. It's hard enough to do it when you win the whole thing. I kind of think, by the way, that they are going to win the whole thing. I just, watching him, he, that's spectacular. That guy is, yes, he's, he's smart. Gets it out. Maniacal. They got weapons. There's some evil in those eyes. I, yeah, he's he's a bad man. And there's a whole lot of I want to beat your ass to him, which I really love and always have. I fell in love with him at LSU for that. He's like, 
you watch him, you're like, that guy wants to beat their ass. It means something to him to beat their ass. It just means more. <laughs> it did to him. Well, it, like, it should just be a picture of him when they put it just means more with the SEC. It should just be a picture of Joe. Joe Burrow. That's it. That's that's the graphic. Sean, to answer your question, uh, the second part of what you said in this chat is exactly how I feel. Sean wrote, I'm curious to know your opinion on the Ed Reed situation. I personally feel for him and the kids involved. Yeah, well, the first thing I thought of in reading all of that without being there and knowing the ins and outs and what they do and do not have available to them in terms of resources and what was agreed to and not agreed to and contractually, I don't know all of those details, so it makes it hard for me to take a side. I do know this. I feel terrible for those football players. I feel terrible for those kids. Ultimately, those that's who suffers. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a black eye in terms of a reputation uh, in some ways for the university, clearly, and for Ed to some degree. But I, I'm not as concerned about either, either the institution or Ed. I hate it for the football players. I hate it for the kids. The kids are the ones who ultimately get screwed. There's also rumor that the Gator Collective offered Ed Reed $57 million. $57 million. He should take it and turn around and go back to coaching. Um, that situation's ugly and sad, and I just, again, when I read that story yesterday morning, I thought, these kids that committed to play football there and are excited to do so and work hard and prideful, I mean, that's, that's not good, man. What a what an ugly, sad situation. Hour number two, fourth coming, Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV.